Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Episode 108. What's going on, bud? How are you? Very good. Um, this is the uh, the Mike Crea episode 108. That's his uh, his birthday. So uh, cheers, Mike. Uh, for a band that I don't think you got to listen to it, but you know, here's to you, Mike. <laughs> cheers, brother. Brother. Uh, Twilightning's Delirium Veil, vale, which shockingly was not my choice. Uh, I'm surprised I wasn't picking this album like in the top ten weeks that we started this, but alas. Here we are. Uh, great choice. Great choice. Before we get there, what new stuff or what have you been listening to this week? Well, I um, I was uh, asked to listen to The Art of Life by X Japan in our new Facebook group, which um, we just started uh, a few days ago. And it's really been great kind of interacting with everybody and having a, a kind of a home base for, uh, to put it, lightly just bullshitting with uh <laughs> with the people that listen to the podcast and um it's it's been a lot of fun it's it's actually i think been more active than i could have imagined it being after like five days um so uh cheers to adam who suggested this i listened to it yesterday as a matter of fact and uh i will say this um as much as i enjoyed uh, talking about that, their uh, full-length album from uh, 1989, Blue Blood, that we did a few weeks ago. Um, I thought this was like a whole completely different experience. Like just this um, really epic, uh, like I don't know, like this progressive epic, like beast of a of a song. It's 29 minutes long. Um, there is a part like somewhere towards the middle heading towards the end where I thought I was having a stroke while I was listening to it. But, um, <laughs> like just so much, like so much, like, um, uh, like what's the word I'm looking for dissonance and just like weird sounds like that are almost kind of cringy to listen to, but like in an artistic way. Um, but I thought this was super cool and, um, it kind of brings me to the suggestion that, uh, that Dave had about us, have doing reaction videos to um, songs we haven't heard. And I feel like this one might've been a little long winded to sit there and watch, watch <laughs> me a- react for 29 minutes to <laughs> Japan. But um, you know, he had mentioned a song by uh, queen that, um, you know, probably is a little less labor intensive <laughs> to sit down and listen to. So um, that's something that we'll definitely have to consider. We're, we're going to start playing around a bit more with video content Um but uh, I did want to let Adam know that I did listen to that, and I enjoyed it a lot. I liked it more than pretty much more than anything I heard on Blue Blood. Um, I, I can only imagine how sick seeing this live must be. Did they play this when you saw them? Or I think they played part of it, if memory serves. They definitely didn't play the whole thing, but it was the song or the album, whatever you want to call it, that I was most familiar with. So I gravitated towards that just because it was more progressive, more epic in nature. I love the ebbs and flows throughout. So I was, that was really my introduction to the band and kind of what the appeal for going to the show in the first place was hoping that they would play some or all of it, all of that. Um, Blue blood was a very, very different experience weekend uh, weekend experience, but it was, it was just um, a little more disconjoined and all over the place song by song. I, I, I think that the art of life is probably their best track best album whatever you want to call it based on my limited limited knowledge but yeah if you haven't heard that that's 
definitely something to soak up. I, I definitely don't think it was something for a reaction video just because it is way too much going on there. Um, but I like the idea and I like the concept. So we'll, it's something we'll play around with. Yeah. I mean, I thought it said something when I was doing some of my extra pan research um, that like this song is on like greatest hits compilations for extra pan. Like they're like, it's, th- it's 30 minutes, but it needs to be, included if you're going to talk about their their best work so um yeah that that was a cool suggestion i think i had listened to it before it was just a very long time ago because i think um you had recommended that i check it out a while back um but it was good to kind of reacquaint myself um speaking of reacquainting um and i know that you can speak to this as as a fan of the television show better call saul um on the most recent episode i was absolutely floored laying in bed watching the show and and all of a sudden i'm like did i just hear mike michael nesmith's voice on better call saul and sure enough a version of a um a monkey song called tapioca tundra was used on the latest episode um and it was an acoustic uh version that was just kind of recorded while the band was recording the birds bees and monkeys album and um it's on like a super rare uh, re-release box set. And so I'd never heard this version, but it's one of my favorite monkey songs of all time. And to hear it like kind of stripped down to this like mellow acoustic version, and then as always just perfectly placed and, uh, in a show that is um, just a complete work of art. Um, I, I, I was, I, I've, I think I've listened to the song now, every single day since I saw the episode on Monday night, because it's just, I think it's so cool. Um, not really metal at all, but I thought it was worth mentioning since we have, um, covered the monkeys in the past and recently got, uh, made some new friends in the podcast world because of our, uh, monkeys episode. So, um, Why don't, uh, before I, before I get to the better call Saul stuff and I, you know, what, I'll just say it now that was really interesting that the way they employ, music on that show sometimes subtly and sometimes quite overtly is just perfect. And I think it's what really adds to um, the dynamic nature of the show. One of the best shows I've ever seen. I'm sad that it's coming to an end, but I had to think you were marking out when you, when you heard that it actually didn't even, I didn't even realize it at first. And then I, even I caught it, you know, I guess, you know, maybe about 30 seconds or 15 or seconds in or something like that. When I realized what was happening, I don't think I had heard the song, but I certainly recognized the voice. Yeah, they're like the art of making like really compelling television. I think is it's not a. I think it's kind of lost. Um, at least like in that kind of way, like how they marry just seriousness with humor and um, the the cinematography. They take their time. There's never a wasted shot. Like the music chosen. Um, this is not even the first time they've used the monkeys because um, there was an episode of uh, Breaking Bad that used Going Down, which was a song we discussed um, when we talked about their headquarters album. So clearly somebody is a fan over there at uh, the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul camp, um, whether it's Vince Gilligan or Peter Gould, we'd have to ask one of them next time they're on the podcast. But um, <laughs> I, that was just a real highlight for me, and it, it made something that I already enjoy a lot, even that more enjoyable. Um, uh, the uh, two other things that I, I, I said that I was going to mention the, uh, 
the latest Alan Olsen uh, and Stradivarius singles. Did you get a chance to listen to either of these? I didn't. Uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. The, uh, the Stradivarius singles have been so good. Um, I'm wondering if it's more of the same or, you know, is this going to be in my albums of the year when it's all said and done? Because I think they're it is. It, they're, they're three for three. I'll just say that. Um, the new the new track is called uh, Firefly. I think it um, is totally uh, as good as the first two right in line. Um, and again, I, I think that if you enjoyed their um, Nemesis album, I feel like this is going to be a home run. Um, it's 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 amazing to me how this band still sounds so fresh after thirty years. I guess it's been or yeah, thirty years or, or, or just about. I think uh, Fright Night came out in nineteen eighty nine, so um, yeah, thirty three years. years. Um, yeah, it's almost like losing Timo Tolki almost kind of was a breath of fresh air because the band had a whole new. Uh, creative direction yet it still kind of maintained that that Stradivarius signature sound because you still had you know Timo Colti Pelto singing and Jens Johansson playing keys and and a guy and a couple of guys that come in and they're diehard old school Stradivarius fans so they want to do right by the new version I think like as far as like having a massive changeover in band members go like Stradivarius it's just like it worked out great for them, and they're still they're still just put you know churning out really a a plus material. And the uh, Alan Olsen song is another one, another really good tune. This is the second single that uh, will be on their Army of Dreamers album later this year, and I, I'm calling it right now. This is going to be um, this will probably be on my year end list, and I've only heard two songs. I just feel like it's um it's just headed in the right direction um so far I, I remember liking the first album but not loving it and i feel like this i've heard i think i like the two songs from this album this new album better than anything i can remember from the first one and maybe that's just uh recency bias but um that's just how i feel so those are two albums you know we we would we had talked about kind of 2022 being kind of a, a weak year release-wise, but I think there's still a lot of heavy hitters left for the the rest of the year with Avantasia and Blind Guardian and Dragonland and Stradivarius and this Alan Olsen. I, there's a lot of good stuff still to come. So um, I think whatever lists we currently have are probably going to be drastically different come the, the end of December. Yeah, I, I just, you know, here we are, we're what, into the eighth month of the year, and there is a lot coming up on the horizon that I'm looking forward to. But I look at my list and, and I say to myself, at this point, eight months in, there have been a lot of good albums, but there haven't been many great albums. And and overall, I think that that's a knock on the year in, in general, but I'm hoping that that changes with the new Blind Guardian and the new Stradivarius and the new Alan Olsen, some others that are coming out. Um, because at this point, I just look at like 2021 or 2020 and the stuff that came out those years, especially at the top, I think blows this year out of the water. Not that there haven't been some releases that I've played countless times, but it just doesn't compare to years past. So I'm I'm waiting for that one album to just blow me away and say, this is my album of the year. Um, even though the stuff at my top two or three is 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 definitely representative. Um 
I got one more thing I just want to add. There, they, sometimes you don't hear an album until a year or two after the fact, and you realize, um, yeah, sometimes you 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 just miss something, right? And like either you hear about it after the fact, or you don't realize that there's a gem perhaps out there because it just kind of went under your radar. That's what happened this week. I I heard an album. Uh, and I only had a chance to listen to it once. I'm going to listen to it again today just to see if the, the magic is really what I think it is. The band is called Ember Falls. The album is called Ruins. And they have been releasing singles since 2019 leading up to their release last December. They're a Finnish band. They sound very much like um, like an Amaranth with that like modern sound or what have you. They have like a little bit of a Sierra sound as well, um, but just so catchy and so melodic. And I guess we'll call it like modern melodic death metal if I had to put it under an umbrella or what have you. Um, definitely, definitely need to check this out. I'm going to post the track this week for sure. Uh, this is really, really good stuff. And I don't think enough people are talking about them. And quite frankly, I didn't even know about it. So uh, obviously it went under my you know radar as well, but definitely worth checking out. I think in particular, you, you'd you probably enjoy this just because I know how much of a fan of Amaranth you are. And I guess obviously you like that modern sound. This is right up your alley. Yeah, I actually heard it on the um, the most recent playlist that you made and I liked it a lot. It does definitely have kind of a Amaranth uh, vibe to it. Um, but yeah, I like this a lot. I, I shout outs to your whole uh, August playlist. I, I really enjoyed it. I've listened to it three times now uh um, oh, awesome. last week so um yeah like i i've had um i've had a lot more time to uh listen to music with um at work kind of picking up this week um i managed to catch up on everything from 2022 which i didn't think was gonna happen this soon um i got to listen to your playlist i got to listen to uh my own playlist that i posted of a bunch of uh older tunes that had never made it onto any of my playlists before um but uh yeah i guess i guess um now's as good a time as any to talk about this uh this gem of an album from a band that just kind of came and went as fast as you can imagine and uh i'm hoping that maybe we uh make some fans out of some people who maybe missed this album because the people that do know this album love it um so yeah, let's uh let's go. Delirium Veil, vale, two thousand three, Twilightning. Uh you you showed me this album, so uh how did you find out about it? I must have seen this on like a message board around that time. And and it's funny because this is like the height of my Sonata Artica Stradivarius fandom around the you know, two thousand, two thousand one. And somebody if memory serves, talks about this other Finnish band that's in the same vein. And I would later come to learn that Timo Tolki would wind up mixing and kind of helping produce this album. And it makes complete sense because what this basically is, is a bunch of Finnish kids that clearly were influenced by and fans of, of the aforementioned, you know, Finnish power metal scene. They come together and they just release this absolute gem of an album uh they go on to release other albums as well but i think that most would agree this is their magnum opus and then they would just fall off the face of the earth 
none of the guys in the band are really doing anything related to metal at this point. And it's remarkable to me that you can have this underground sensation and this groundswell of um, support and, 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 and fandom behind you. And then they just kind of go in a different direction and cease to exist uh, a number of years later. It's, it's a wild story. And I, I took your challenge to heart. I reached out to um, one or two guys in the band, uh, but I didn't have any success in securing an interview. I'm not giving up hope. I'm, I'm hoping that they're maybe just on holiday or something like that. And, and that I can, you know, reconnect with some of these guys. Uh, but I have so many questions and, and it's one of those episodes where I don't have answers. I just have questions and I'm going to leave a lot of stuff open-ended because I just don't know what happened to these guys. Um, but the this problem album, is they might be, they might've been on holiday for the last 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and this, and this, um, without hyping it up too much, if you are a fan of, of Stradivarius and Sonata Artica or that like, you know, turn of the century power metal, this album I would put up against any of that and say that it's right up there, if not better than all of it. It, it reminds me of the, like, I think there was a couple, this is actually going back to our, um, our mystery album episode. Um, what was the name of the band that was the mystery album? Oh God. What did I choose? Um, <laughs> I don't even remember at this point. I forget. I, I can I can easily find that back out. Because I, I, you know what it is? I actually have the next mystery album picked out. So my focus has been on that. We're going to be doing that in the coming weeks. Well, the reason I bring it up is just because like this is around the same time where – Oh, secrecy. Some of these new, secrecy. Yes, it's thank you. Secrecy. So um, this is like around the time where there's just new bands coming up, popping up. And you, and it's kind of like you're wondering like which ones are going to – which ones are going to become the next Stradivarius or Sonata Artica and which ones are going to become the next Sacrecy. Um, and I know your original, uh, your original choice for the mystery album was a, uh, a band called, um, Nightscape. Uh, yes. Nightscape who out of this album, uh, Symphony of the Night, and they never even released a second album. Um, and I remember that was an album I had discovered on a, a message board. So it's just interesting that, the, you know, a lot of this, these like power metal bands are kind of starting to crop up in the, in the early two thousands. And you're kind of like, well, who's going to be, a, who's going to stick around. And you have like your dragon forces of the world. Um, that was another what band I remember finding out about when I was in college around the same time. And, and then you have like your twilightnings who, I mean, not only did they disappear, but I felt like they had such a hard task in following up this, this unbelievable debut that I think that, um, they just weren't up to up to, to task on it, and and I think that hurt too. Is that like it's kind of a, as you like to say they were a victim of their own success, so to speak. It's just they never, at least in my opinion, and I'm sure you agree that they never kind of like recaptured the magic that this album had. Yeah, it, it's this album comes out in 2003. Uh, one year later, later they would come out with an album called Plague House Puppet Show. And I went back and listened to that and it has its moments. It's not terrible, but it's not, it's not Delirium Veil. I'm sorry. It's just not as good. And then they would kind of go on this little hiatus. They'd release an EP in 2006 called Bedlam. They'd release their final album in 2007 called Swine Lords. It is not good. Um, it is actually hard to listen to. 
and and just the 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 rise and fall of this band is unlike anything I've ever seen. Now, to your point, victim of of their own success, I don't think they were ever going to top this debut album, but they didn't really ever get that close, in my opinion. I know some people love Puppet Show, that second album. As I said, it has its moments, but this this was the the, the pinnacle for them. And I don't know if it was the Tolkien influence in the studio. I, I tend to think not. I just think that they they must have been working on these songs for a while as kids, and they just kind of they found a magic formula, and and then they kind of lost you know they they lost the genie after that. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, that's kind of why I wanted to speak to somebody in the know because this is just—it's not like one of those things where you pop onto a Wikipedia and uh, you're looking up a you know Fear Factory or a Megadeth album, and there's like plenty of you know what you can only assume is factual, <laughs> but it is Wikipedia after all. If it's but, on Wikipedia, how could it not be true? Yeah, I mean, I just—I guess certain tales have been told enough times that they, just, <laughs> they basically hard. just become fact after a while. And, <laughs> that's right. I don't even know if Twilighting has their own <laughs> Wikipedia entry, never mind this album. So um, I was really hoping I, – I, I did manage to get in touch with somebody, and um, their their response to me was, was tepid at best. So uh, I'll continue to just uh, nag. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think these people want to do interviews. They just don't know they want to do the interview. So, but they'll know. They will yeah, know. We'll make sure that they know. Um Shout out to Roland Grappo, who didn't want to talk about Halloween when we interviewed him. Um, <laughs> go, go listen to that in the archives. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I know, like, so the first song that I think, um, I want to say that you suggest that I listen to this entire album uh, back in, I, I remember being, I think, after I was done with college. So probably, like, maybe a year or two after this album came out, but... You know, it starts out with the song Gone to the Wall, and then, like, right off the bat, it's just, like, you're just completely sucked in, hooked in. Like, it just kicks off with, like, this this just raucous guitar riff and goes into, like, this this blazing, fast power metal song. And um, it's off to the races, man. Like, I, I knew immediately, like, if nothing else, this would be a song that I would probably end up liking for a really long time. Yeah, it's it's. I'll, I'll say this: when I first heard this album, I was so enamored with it that I think I like. This came out in two thousand and three. I was in law school in two thousand and four, and I have memories of playing this album. You know, over a year later, nonstop as I was studying in the library, which is probably why I got the grades I did in law school. But we'll, we'll, we'll leave that story for another time. Um, kidding aside. This album was in heavy rotation for a long time, and much like Ark's Burn the Sun, which we talked about, it's an album that I still play semi-regularly to this day because it's just it's it's held up so well for me that we're going back almost 20 years, and I still get the itch to hear it. So it was so nice being able to hear it time and time again this week. And I, and I will say this. With the benefit of hindsight and with the benefit of repeated listens, my, my, my opinion has changed a little bit on this album. So I'll kind of, instead of burying the lead, I'll just get right to it. If you would have asked me last week, what's, what is this album for you? I would have said it's an absolute perfect 10, uh, and, and that there's not a single note out of place. I actually am pulling back from that. It is near perfect, but there are some things that I, I think could have improved. 
and I'll start with the mix. I thought the mix was very good, but one of the things that is really buried on this are the bass lines. You cannot hear the bass on this album, in my opinion. It is guitar-driven with keyboard uh, compliments in, in many places, but you cannot hear the bass. Not that that's a make or break thing, but it's, it's the focal point of this band, in my opinion, where the, where, where absolutely the vocals and the, and the, and the dueling guitars, which are just fantastic. And obviously the songwriting. Uh, but I, I think the mix leaves a little something to be desired. Yeah. I, I, and the keyboards too, I think are a big, you know, the synth and, and all that. Um, sure, absolutely. A big, yeah. Big part of that as well. So absolutely. it's kind of like, the the base is, is kind of uh taking a backseat. Yeah, they're collateral damage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's only so much you could you could focus on and that's okay. Like not everything needs to be dream theater where everybody gets a turn. Um I I I, I don't know that that never really even crossed my mind when I was listening to this, but uh, I I do find it interesting that um your your review or your your overall uh ranking for this album has decreased a little bit i think mine's actually gone up oh interesting well here's why in in the back of my head the 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 back half of this album was was perfect and it's not i i think that there's one or two songs that are less than less than stellar still very good very good and enjoyable but less than stellar and so ultimately i'm not going to give it a 10 but it's damn close and and for a debut album it might be one of the best debut albums I've ever heard up there with Ecliptica up there with angels cry. I mean, it is damn near close to perfect. Oh, master plan is another, another great example. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I think so just, I mean, we're all over the place here, uh, but who cares? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think that this album was um, poorly ordered. I think that's my biggest complaint about it is that the first four songs are so good that as good as the rest of the album is like none of the songs from uh tracks five through nine i'm not going to count the two bonus tracks but we will talk about them um it doesn't get back to the rarefied air that they created with the first four tracks and i I just think that maybe if they maybe spread it out spread the love a little bit more and again like you said these the rest of the album is very very good um it's just that the first four songs are so good that <laughs> it's just like it's almost like you're kind of sad that the four best songs are in the rearview mirror by the time you get halfway through the the album. Um, I will. That's, I think that's my kind of overall thought as far as that's my one knock on this album. And we talk about orders a lot, but I will agree, but I'll disagree. No question, those first four songs are stellar i mean among the best power metal songs you'll ever hear and i'll go so far as to say i'm not sure that there's four songs that are better than that that have been drafted in the last 20 years that's how good those first four songs are why i differ a little bit is i would actually throw the ballad under somber skies in there with it as perfect we'll get there but tracks five and six are 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 really really I think close to perfect as well. So I, I lumped those in with the first four. So I think it just drags on a little longer for me in terms of that perfection. It's just that the back end of the album takes a step back and, 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 and a small step, but a noticeable step nonetheless. Yeah. I ended up, see, I, I wasn't as familiar with the, 
tracks uh, five through nine. I knew them. Um, but I just had listened to the first four tracks so many times, especially the first two. Um, you know, uh, At the Forge might be the most listened to Twilightning song for me. Um, I oh, love God. the way that it just kind of kicks in with like this, this, this synth, like the synthy keyboardy kind of intro that, you know, me, that's like my jam right there. Um, this is a, 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 like a little, not as, as fast paced as gone to the wall. It's more of a mid tempo song, but oh my God, it's so freaking catchy. This is such a great song. All right. So let me just say a couple of words about gone to the wall and then I'm going to go on a oh, whole yeah, diet. Yeah. Then I'm going on a whole soliloquy about at the forge. Gone to the wall. I'm going to edit this episode and put everything in the proper order because we're all over the place. We are all over the place, but we'll 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 get back on track. Gone to the wall is a fantastic opener because it's so fast and so melodic and so catchy, and and you can tell that they're these young, hungry guys that just want to you know put their stamp on this album right away. And I feel like the Sonata Artica influence is really strong on that one. Only knock I have if I am like being super nitpicky is that there's this instrumental section, which I thought is kind of a bit lackluster, but like I was looking for reasons to knock what's otherwise just a fantastic, dare I say, perfect opening song. And I love how the chorus just gets higher and higher in range as we get as we get towards the end. It's just this band has a lot of gimmicks that they kind of employ in these songs, but they're so good and they're it's just so well constructed that I kind of like it and that being one of them. But as good as the song is as an opener, At the Forge is even better. And I I think that like when when I think of like the greatest power metal songs of all time, uh Rebellion in Dreamland by Gamma Ray comes to mind. Uh, Keeper of the Seven Keys by Halloween. Uh, you know, p- take your take your pick off of Angels Cry. I'll I'll just say Time or or something like that, which are these perfect power metal songs. At the Forge, Shitload of Money by Sonata Arca. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At the At the Forge is just it, it's a perfect song, and it has one of the best intros ever, like you said. And the guitar tone just like sings to you. Obviously, you know the lyrics are are are, are you know kind of cheesy and whatnot, but the the guitar tone is like just sucks me in. And there's these little vocal lines throughout that kind of deviate from what you expect it to sound like. And I think it's just the catchiest thing, at, the catchiest tune. It's like the antithesis of plain vanilla power metal. And this is the kind of song that honestly. Um, could easily be my song of the week. It could be my song of the year, but I, I went in a different direction just because it was almost too easy of a choice. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't even, I haven't even been able to choose something yet. Um, so we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite songs on this album, and and really ever. Uh, so everything you said was fair. Um, I, actually, because of the tempo of the song, I think you actually, in a rare moment for this album, you actually can make out the baseline because the, um, the guitars and the keyboards aren't as frantic as they are in, in track one, um, or in the next track, just a realm, for example, you know, at least like pacing wise, like we're doing well pacing wise, you know, fast song, you know, more of a mid tempo song followed by another fast song. Um, again, this might be something that I do a, 
a custom reorder on after we're done with this. Um, but uh, I think as far as like Gone to the Wall you, was the perfect opening track, like you said. And I think this is a, a solid follow-up. But again, like these are like two of your best songs on the album and, and they're the first two songs. I mean, I guess, you know, uh, stealing your thunder about rebellion and dreamland. I mean, you had, that was the first song on, on land of the free followed by uh man on a mission. So, I mean, I guess it's not, it's okay if your first two songs are both bangers, I guess. But, um, you know, again, like when you move on to just a realm, which I think is another really awesome song, um, and this and this kind of starts out with like this kind of slow um, keyboard kind of piano intro, and then kind of kicks in about forty seconds in. Um, this is another song I, I just think is is right up there with the first two. Uh, how, how do you feel about this uh, Just a Realm? So it, I'll, I'll say it this way: This is what I always like to call like proggy power metal because the song is all over the place and it's so unique in the sense that it like you going on this ride when it comes to pacing it almost feels like a roller coaster where you're going up and then you're going down up and down um but it's each piece is just so melodic and the way it's patched together is is just perfect i was driving at one point and this song comes on and I was like losing my mind and I'm like drumming on the wheel. Like, I mean, I was just losing it. And what the other drivers must have thought when they saw me listening to this. So obviously I lowered the window so that they could get a yeah, listen. They, well, they probably were like, he's probably listening to Twilightning. What else could it possibly be? They said he must be listening to Jester Realm. And that's what I was doing. There's this one point towards the end where they have like these dueling guitar solos that almost reminded me of like Megadeth's um, Hangar 18. And it was just so good. And, and, of all the tracks um, on this album this week, this was the one that actually hit me the hardest. So I'm actually going to make it my song of the week. I still think At the Forge is their best song. No questions asked. But this is this week, I just got so much love from this song. I'll make it my song of the week. Lose your mind and lose your What's interesting, and I did not know this, but what's interesting to me is that the outro of this song, which kind of takes you out of the moment a little bit, uh, insofar as it's just this kind of spacey keyboard instrumental thing that they have going on, I didn't realize that it's actually kind of like a hidden track at the end of the song. You mentioned it to me. You want to? Uh, I'll, I'll give you the credit and let you uh, kind of take that one away. Yeah, I mean, I always thought this song ended weird. That like, why is there this? other part like the song kind of ends and then 
it sounds like an intro, but it's an outro to this track. And so in my research, I found out that it is a hidden track and it's called Trip to the Dale. Uh, Shout out to Dale, our friend Dale, who's uh, (laughs) at Sabaton Open Air right now. Dale Gantz. uh, Trip to the Dale Beyond the Delirium Vale. Um, And now that I say that out loud, I realize that it rhymes. Um, (laughs) So... I, this, I guess, was meant to be more of an introduction to Delirium Vale, more so as an outro to Just a Realm. So, like the OCD person that I am, I, I extracted that part from Just a Realm and pasted it at the beginning of Delirium Vale. And now that's how uh, it's going to be in my little iTunes world. Uh, uh, I, these are things that I do. Um, I, I don't, it's just, I have this sort of brain that. Uh, needs to do things like this uh, for like me the to Bob be able Ross to of iTunes. What's that? You're like the Bob Ross of iTunes. <laughs> yeah, I want to paint some happy little trees, but I want to make sure they're on the right track. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you know, what's the point? Uh, so, and now I listen to Delirium Vale that has this uh, like minute and a half intro. Like the song makes more sense now. Like just even though. Audibly, you're listening to the exact same thing in the exact same order, but thinking of it as part of a different song makes it make a lot more sense. And you know what? It just dawned on me. That intro, Trip to the Dale Beyond the Delirium Veil, and Delirium Veil, which is the title track of the album, that's how the album should have ended. They should have ended with that. And I think that would have been the right way to end the album. And then I would have taken just a realm and I would have pushed it a little bit further into deeper into the album. And I would have left the first two tracks as they are. And then I think that there would have been a better balance, at least for me personally. Um, That's just how, uh, how I felt. I actually listened to the songs after delirium veil up by themselves a couple of days this week, just trying to keep those, first songs out of my head so I could kind of listen to the other songs uh, in more of an unbiased sort of way. Um, Did that help? But yeah, um, This is another unbelievable song. I love this song. It's so... Um, it has that kind of almost power quest, like, happy, upbeat, flower metal kind of like, you know... I, I don't know. It, it's, it's such an upbeat kind of... Uh, song i just really enjoy listening to it and and like like i said before man like four really really outstanding tracks right off the bat here the only thing i'll say about delirium veil the song is it's a little bit paint by numbers it's just that the painting is so good that it almost doesn't matter and i I, you said power quest i think that's a very apt analogy i hear stradivarius i think there's a real strong stradivarius vibe to it with that like standard power metal drumming behind it and then these beautiful soaring vocals over the top i think the keyboards are really really a nice uh, added element to this particular track and I, I said to myself without those keyboards i'm not sure this band is nearly as good as it otherwise is it's just just a perfect blend there um again four for four I would argue that Return to Innocence is actually every bit as good as those first four. It's the fifth track, more mid-paced, and I actually think it's well-placed as kind of a little um, 
step back, if you will. And it has the patented metal exchange gallop on this one with this beautiful <laughs> chorus, right? And, and the, this, the, it's, it's, they keep galloping. It's, it's just so, so good. And, and this one is also like another one of those roller coaster songs where it just kind of, you're, 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 you're kind of all over the place, but it keeps you along for the whole ride. And, and what's interesting is the song is over six minutes. Uh, it doesn't feel like it. It feels like another one of those standard three and a half minute power metal songs. I think it's a fantastic track. My question for you, and this is what I really want to know, is you always talk about the first four tracks. What is it about Return to Innocence that is not as perfect as, as the tracks that precede it? I don't know. I just didn't like it as much. <laughs> All right. I didn't know if there was one thing you could point to. There you go. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's just maybe just because maybe the first four tracks were just like on first listen, I was just hooked. And on this one, it took a little longer because it's still a very good song. Um, I just, I don't know that I, I just don't know if I could still, even after, you know, five or six listens this week, I don't know if I, it's like just a, it's just an eyelash underneath. It's not, it's not like it's a big drop off, but I just think like it's the difference between, you know, four All-Stars and, and then followed by somebody that just kind of got to play in the All-Star game because somebody else got hurt. Um, That's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs> I got it. Um, I, I actually like that a lot. I don't I don't think that there's a song on this album that is less than very good. So I'll just put it this way. But I, I do like this song a lot. And to your point about the length of the song, like, this is the kind of band where you kind of hear them and you're like, yeah, the, like you could see them being like that three and a half to four minute power metal getting get out kind of band. But these are some meaty songs. Like yeah. um, the shortest song is about four and a half minutes long. Um, and this is this is actually the longest one. Um, but uh, yeah, another like you said has the gallop. It's a good mid tempo song. I mean, I, I think it, we we got to mention, um, and I'm going to butcher this dude's name, but the vocalist uh, Heike Poia. Um, I'm a little rusty on my finish, but, um, <laughs> this guy was a, a phenomenal vocalist. And the fact that like, I had to go do some digging and, and like, he has done nothing else. Like literally his, his, his resume is singing for Twilightning and then just doing backing vocals on a whole bunch of other albums from bands like Armor and Entwine and Lullacry and Nail Gunner and, Scarlet Desire and and actually did some actually has vocals on Timo Tolki's solo album Sana Warrior of Light Part One, which I know um, millions of people listen to on its release in two thousand and eight. Um, I I don't think I've ever heard the damn album in my life. I'm gonna have to check out that song though, just because um, just because uh, Heike. Um, and I'm just assuming it rhymes with Waikiki. I'm hoping I'm not butchering that, but um, just because he's on it, and there's nothing else I've ever heard him do outside of this band. But he's a phenomenal singer. Those he hits some high notes. I mean, this guy's a real like for that era of that like style of power metal. That guy is uh, um, phenomenal, a really great singer. So I just wanted to take this opportunity to throw his name out there, albeit uh, probably mispronounced. Yeah, he he is such a unique um, talent. It's it's absolutely frightening. He what's interesting though is he is doing something else, but it's not like widely known. There was this like progressive 
ambient alternative rock thing he was he's doing. He's in White Snake now, isn't he? Yeah, well, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get <laughs> you're burying the lead, dude. We're going to get there. There was a band called River Dog Samson, apparently. You can find it on Spotify, River Dog Samson. He does the vocals for them, but it's a different style, and I don't know that it necessarily um, makes him shine the way that these tracks do because here he is just an absolute gem gem of a musician in terms of his vocal lines and his vocal phrasing and his melodies not least of which is under somber skies the sixth track and and this to me is one of those tracks that the sum of the pieces don't make up the brilliance of this track in other words if you add it all together it shouldn't be as good as it is but for my money it may be my favorite like power metal ballad of all time no joke and and there's some great company with a lot of those halloween and stradivarius tracks this is beautiful the chorus is probably the highlight the lyrics are surprisingly good and the singer and and heike's range is just phenomenal on this one and then all of a sudden about midway through they throw this curveball with this bridge which is completely different from the rest of the song but yet it like fits seamlessly before they get back into it um it, this song you almost think it's going to get heavy at the end but it really never does it goes right back to that ba- that power ballad um the most underrated power ballad of all time as far as i'm concerned if i were to use one word to describe this song it would be somber yes uh, I, I but they well, used it as well part of the they used it as part of the song title so i'm not going to sound particularly original in saying that but yes um well deserved of uh every um compliment you just gave it it's a really really cool song and and again we we always kind of harp on uh you know song order and i feel like this was really placed right in the middle like where it should be because five tracks of like a lot of mid tempo to fast tempo songs that really just kind of kick your ass and and I think that this is good. It kind of slows things down a little bit and lets you kind of recharge um, before, you know, you have three uh, more, you know, mid to fast tempo songs to finish things off. And again, I'm really starting to like my Delirium Veil ending the album idea um, nice. because then you get up to this and you, and you have like this kind of moment of, of peace almost, and but you still have that one last like banger at the end to look forward to. Um but yeah, great, great tune, really beautifully written, um, beautifully performed. Um, sometimes I think these bands feel like they have to put on a power ballad and, and you can tell that they're not super excited about it because it comes across as kind of lackluster. And this is just not the case with this song. And um, and yet, like, still takes its time to show off the the you know the electric guitar chops and uh it's it's really awesome um i'm such a fan of just this era of power metal that was in a time where i just kind of wasn't paying attention as nearly as much but now that i go back and listen to it and i realize that's when you know power quest is starting up and this album is coming out and dragon force is starting up and and rain seed is going to be a thing a few years later which um, I went down the rabbit hole with them yesterday. Um, it's just a, a cool kind of, you know, we joke about, uh, at least um, we, me and Caleb and Knops were joking at Prague Power about, like, adding the 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 um, the prefix post 
two genres, like post grunge or you know whatever post post alternative or whatever. And this is kind of like post power metal, where it's yeah. kind of like the the new the second era of power metal after wave. like yeah yeah exactly like you have that keeper of the seven keys through you know better than raw if using halloween as the measuring stick is like your first wave of power metal i don't know maybe you can even separate the the late 90s early 90s power metal with the mid to late 90s power metal and maybe this is like oh, even a third wave that's a whole other discussion maybe we'll save that for the for the the facebook group but um it's it's just kind of cool, like seeing some of these new faces arise. And like I said before, now with hindsight being twenty twenty, we can see you know who came out of it and and who disappeared and ended up in and you know whatever band you just mentioned. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> um, what's interesting to me is that, it, like after this era of power metal, and I'll lump Rain Seed in there. From like 2010 to present, I think that power metal has been like kind of weak and that's why I've like moved away from the genre and I started listening to black metal and melodic death metal and all this other stuff just because it got a little stale and I don't think that the albums have the same melodies um, that they that they were, you know, obviously trying to strive for back then. One exception, I thought the newest Thorarod album was really good and I guess when I say newest, it's probably five years old at this point, but... That album harkened back to these days where it just was hook-driven power metal, which I really love. But I don't know, like as good as a Sabaton is or as good as a Power Wolf is or, or something like that, those bands don't do it for me like the first or second or third wave, whatever you want to call it, these bands. And I don't think it's a nostalgia thing because when I listen to it just with fresh ears, it's just catchier. It's just more melodic and I just love it. So I don't know. But that being said... Not perfect because we get to the back third of the album, which I think takes a little bit of a step back. Seventh Dawn is one of the shorter tracks on the album. It is a decent track, a little bit mid-paced, I'd say. But I think that some of the bonus tracks are actually better than Seventh Dawn. And I would have actually flipped the order and made Seventh Dawn kind of like a bonus track because it's just not the strongest track on here. If I had to say what the best part of it is, I'd say the chorus, but it's like a little pedestrian still very good but just not it just doesn't hold a candle to those first six in my opinion yeah would you say would you say this is maybe the weakest song on the album i would no question about it i i I think it's i think they and they kind of bury it like towards the end and i think it ends a little bit stronger but this to me is the weakest one on the album for sure um does anything stand out about it to you or is it just like kind of a throwaway track I don't know if I call it a throwaway track. Like it's a it's a good tune. I just think that it's the uh, something. Oh, there always something always has to be the, the the worst song, even if it's a good song. And I just think this happens to be it. Um, and and again, speaking of order, maybe this would have been better served towards the beginning of the album. Maybe maybe I place it after at the forge as as track three and give just a realm a little bit of a a push further down. I'm, I'm definitely going to reorder this album. I, I can't now I'm just, I got it in my head that needs to happen. So, um, I'm that'll curious be to hear it. But, uh, I'll tell you what, what, I'm sorry. I'm curious to hear it. Yeah. I, I will say this. My, the surprise track for me was enslaved to the mind. Um, I remember the, the, um, 
the the diagnosis dialogue that that book ended the track and i remember maybe that for whatever reason kind of made the made it that song more memorable but then i going back and re-listening to the song i was like oh man this was this was kind of like the gem of the the back half in my opinion um i just really liked it it's again another kind of mid-tempo uh it even slows down to kind of a slower tempo in the middle but um i thought this was kind of in my head the most underrated song on the album i i have a challenge for you then this track of all the songs on this album and i'm just guessing here i bet this was the last song that was written for the album because it sounds just a little bit different and reminds me more of the follow-up album plague house puppet show so if you like this track i strongly recommend you listen to their second album and give it a spin this week and then yeah, let I me think, know what your thoughts are i think that's going to be uh part of my to do i have to you know what i have to do i have to put in my itunes a playlist called my to-do list and like whenever somebody recommends something and i can't listen to it right at that moment kind of like i did with um art of life um I just dro- drop it in that playlist and this, I would put the, uh, the second album in that list. But, um, I have to say though, like the part that just sucks me in every time is that super fast guitar riff. That's like, Oh my God. I love that so much. It gets me so excited. And so I feel like that really makes the, the song, it's kind of like the signature spot of the song. Um, so yeah, I thought this was this was definitely my favorite song um of the of the post four tracks that I already knew I loved going into it. Um and it, it's just cuz it also like almost go like almost kind of digresses into like a ballady kind of part and then jumps back in uh, so there's like cool tempo changes. I just think this is a really cool tune. I think I'm going to make it my song of the week only because I mean, like I've listened to the first four songs so many friggin' times. I feel like it would be almost like too obvious if I chose one of them. So I'm going to go with something a little bit different. Um, I recommend that everybody goes and listens to the first four songs. Uh, if not listen to the entire friggin' album, cause it's phenomenal. But, um, if anything, make sure you listen to those first four songs. But, uh, yeah, I'm just, just to keep it, you know, just to be a little different. I'm going to go with this. I just thought it was cool. it a lot um the album or the album proper ends with uh, what masked ball dalliance which to be honest with you is a really really funny track because 
and, and I certainly didn't know this prior prior to uh, you know doing a little research, but it's about a ballroom dance that turns into a giant orgy. So if that doesn't grab your attention, I don't know what will. This is a real. I actually like this track a lot. It's it's a little bit of an oddball song, um, but it's kind of a little gem. What was that? It's a masked ball song. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, there's something about it which is like makes me want to like sway back and forth, and I can actually hear the dance part of it, which I, I never realized until I found out what it was about. So I was they were clearly on to something here. It it also has a touch of that flower power metal vibe to it, but I think it's a really strong song and very underrated. It's starting to make a lot of sense why this band would later have songs called Lubricious Thoughts and Sex Jail. Um, now that it's all coming explained- together now. Yeah, now that you've explained to me, uh, I just kind of assumed that this was about um, like somebody like meeting like a member or just some, like meeting a member of the opposite sex or like somebody that they were attracted to at a masked ball, like, like they used to do in the old days when thing when we lived in better times. Um, now we have Tinder. Um, <laughs> well, this turns into Tinder, but it's more of like a group Tinder type of thing, I think. Yeah. But with, with, with masks, it's more, actually more <laughs> like catfish than Tinder, but I mean, still it's again, it's better times. Um, it's, it's a good, I think it's a good last song. I don't think, like I said before, I don't think it's the best choice. Um, I might even say like it should have been the second to last song just because I think that it's a little bit unassuming and it kind of ends the album on kind of like a, not a down note, but almost like a medium note instead of a, a high note. Um, and I never really thought of it as the last track because I always listen to the two bonus tracks as if, it was part of the album, and I think maybe that's why I kind of have a disconnect with how the album ends. Um, but I think this is a good song. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but it's good. Um, the as a, a catchy kind of mid-tempo chorus. Um, how about you? What are your thoughts about this um, this uh, masked orgy that we are? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, like I said, it, it, I I think it's fantastic. I, I just it's one of the happier tracks on the album, and now I can certainly see why. I think the drum. I think the drumming at the beginning is kind of cool, where it's just like this little bit of an offbeat feel with the keys on top. Um, I, I think it's a gem. I really do like the song, and it makes me kind of dance as I'm listening to it, which, as, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm a big fan, but I ne- But to your point, I never considered it the end of the album because at the end of this album are two bonus tracks: "The Escapist" and "Affection Seeker," and both are amazing and like could have easily been on the album proper. Uh, "The Escapist." is uh, like, I don't know. It's, it's certainly not like the best song on the album or anything like that, but it's just a really good standard power metal song with a catchy chorus. And I think it has its place here. Very, very enjoyable. And then affection seeker kind of slows it down a little bit. It's it's more mid paced, but it's another one of those songs. That's like a patchwork of all these like fresh ideas, but they're so melodic. I don't know that there's one piece that necessarily stands out. It's just a really great song. And like, I I can't imagine listening to this album without these two bonus tracks, because to me, they're just as much a part of the album as anything else. Yeah. Just misplaced, I think, uh, or misordered. Um, I think the escapist I think is one of the fastest songs on the entire album. Um, I For feel sure. like it's maybe just a, sh- a, a shade slower than gone to the wall, which is about as quick is about as fast as it gets on this album. And um, excellent tune. 
and yeah, like you said, affection seeker kind of, um, kind of similar to, to, um, I would say like a mass ball dalliance where, um, where maybe you are seeking affection, um, to, to tie those two things together. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's a little bit more mid tempo and kind of a chill song. And again, I think it's not the best way for this album to end. It was interesting because like plague house would start right after this album would end. And if I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing, I almost like didn't realize I was onto the next album. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to reorder this and I'm going to post it on our, uh, on our Spotify playlist page. Um, but uh, overall, um, I, I love this album. Um, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a, oh man, this is tough. I'm wavering between an 8.75 and, and a nine. Um, I'm going to go with um, an 8.875. <laughs> Very, very precise. For me, it's it's probably like a 9.25. I, I think I would have had it as a 10, but I do acknowledge that the last, or you know, so that Seventh Dawn is, you know, a little a little lackluster. Um, it's not perfect at the end. I think, that, I'll, I'll say this, if the first, or I should say if the last couple of tracks were as good as the first six, it might be one of, if not my favorite power metal disc of all time. It's not. But there is some stuff on here that's just so strong that I have it in that rarefied air that's above a nine for me. So kudos to them. Um, definitely listen to Plague House next week. I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, and before I get into some of the news for the week, do you want to tell everyone about our new friends? Because you had alluded to it earlier, but I don't think you got to speak about it much. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm allergic to our new friends, apparently. <laughs> um Actually, like uh, I, I've been very happy with how many, um, how many people, like I said before, have uh, made their way over to our little uh, Facebook group. And I will say, I think that, and I did say to you privately, I do think that um, part of the reason that we haven't had as much interaction on Facebook is because I don't think that Facebook's algorithm was giving us much love as far as making sure that our posts were showing up on um, people's feeds. Either that or, or people just don't want to like or comment or anything on anything we have to say. I'd like to think it's the former, personally. <laughs> but, <laughs> but based on the, the interactions that we've had in this group in just a matter of days, it leads me to believe that maybe maybe people did want to interact with us, but they didn't realize that we were out there posting stuff. And so, I mean just to like have um, somebody just pop in and say, why isn't the first two vision divine albums treated as, uh, as well as, as maybe some of the later ones and just kind of laying the groundwork for just some, some good conversation that, that might not necessarily fit into a particular episode of the podcast. Um, We, uh, we got, um, man, you know what? I'm going to pull it up just so I don't mis- mistake it. Cause there's a couple of people that I want to, to mention. Um, I, I, I was, um, somebody reached out, um, regarding our, uh, our power quest, uh, series of, of episodes. Um, 
I, I swear so much has been going on. I can't keep track of where it all is. Um, we also, uh, we also got, um, connected to the, uh, the MSR cast, uh, podcast who they also have a, a, another podcast. That's more of a kind of like a geek pop culture podcast. I'll put it called the metal geeks podcast. And, um, you know, they actually, I think, I think they, they had found us because of our monkeys episode of all things, because um, one of their hosts happens to be a metalhead who also really likes the monkeys. So there are more than one of us out there. So <laughs> nice to hear. Um, I, I, and I, I apologize to whoever reached out regarding um, our power quest albums uh, or power quest podcast, but they had, um, they had some really, uh, actually it was the same. It was the metal pigeon from the, um, the MSR cast. Uh, so I'm thinking of the same, uh, same people. So yeah, between power quest and the monkeys, I think we managed to find, make a couple of new friends. So, um, cheers to you guys. Thank you for, um, inviting us to your Facebook group and and letting us plug our show. And, uh, I'm sure that there will be, uh, opportunities for collaboration in the, uh, in the future. Um, getting back to our, our Facebook group, we, uh, you had run a poll to determine what the uh, album we're going to do next week. But, um, why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, some news first and then we'll, we'll talk about, uh, next week's, uh, entry. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Nightwish hitting the studio next summer. So I don't know if that means we are getting a new album in 2023 or possibly in 2024, but, uh, always nice to hear new material from them. I certainly this is, hope it's better than this the is going to be. I think, yeah, this is going to be a real interesting release because hopefully the band had listened to some of the uh, negative reactions, which I think were a little bit overblown, but um, it wasn't my favorite Nightwish album. I enjoyed it a lot, but like I said, when I did our year-end episode, uh, even though it made my top, it was definitely my top 50. I can't remember if it was in my top 25, but... I think my exact words were when a Nightwish album comes out and it's not in my top five or even top three, it's automatically a disappointment. So um, that's just how high our expectations have become for this band. So let's see what how they react to the last album. Or do they just say, no, we're just doing what we want and we're ignoring everything and it's going to be even more, uh, you know, undynamic. Um We'll see. I do, I do, and again, mentioned this when I talked about the last time I saw them live. Um, the loss of Marco to me leaves kind of a hole in this band that, that I don't know is going to be filled. Um, so big shoes to fill, to say the least. Yeah. I don't know if cooler heads will prevail as the pandemic, you know, hopefully winds down. Um, but, uh, He's he's a part of the band that I think is sorely missed. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. This is going to be. I'm very interested to see what they come up with next. So time will tell. Time will tell. But unfortunately, some bad news. Uh, a show that I was didn't have tickets to, but I was really toying with the idea of going because they were playing like a mile from my place. Uh, White Snake has pulled out of their U.S. tour or their North American tour with the Scorpions, as David Coverdale is just not in a position to tour with his uh, 
uh, I guess, his vocals, and he's suffering from an upper respiratory infection. The reason I bring this up is it's a, a shame I that they don't have any competent vocalists uh, in their ranks. Yeah, it's you know, it's 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 a shame. It, it's it's not like Dino Jalusic is in the band or Joel Hofstra or Michelle Lupi. I mean, it, it, none of these guys obviously can sing. Uh, obviously, we we jest. I wanted to go see this band because I think the backing members are all phenomenal. And now, obviously, David Coverdale is is not in shape to tour. I think they could have pulled this off without him, but I just know that he's not going to give up the reins, which is unfortunately um, a disappointment for me because I thought it would have been cool to see. And I, I have seen the Scorpions live, and they always put on a good show. I think that they should just go on tour without David Coverdale and call it Off White Snake. And There you go. Just let everybody else sing. I mean, it's can like you imagine ball. like having those three guys in your ranks to, that could sing? And it's just like, yeah, we're just going to wait for Coverdale to come back. Not that Coverdale is any slouch in the vocals department, but geez, that's like an all-star team of singers. I know. I know. It's it's, it's crazy. But, you know, obviously you, you know what's controlling there. Uh, but to your point from earlier, I, I did put up a poll in our Facebook group and I said, you know what? What do you want to hear next week? And I just took a number of requests uh, and one album that I wanted to hear, and I kind of threw them up on a on a poll. I'm the only one that voted for Beyond Twilight. I just want to say that I'm literally the only one that voted for it, and that was my suggestion. The other three were, in fact, requests. I would I have up, laughed if you didn't even vote for your own suggestion. That like, would have been oh, even funnier. Now that I see it in front of me, I kind of want to hear the other one. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that the, the one vote for that, yeah, that was me. Uh, Adagio's Underworld, which is an album that I've wanted to cover from for some time. It could come in as a request. And then uh, the two that got the bulk of the votes were Sabaton's Art of War, which finished in close second to Megadeth's Euthanasia, which we'll be covering next week. And uh, it's been a while since we've talked to Megadeth, and it's certainly a far cry from Rust in Peace. Now we're getting into the more um, pop-oriented Megadeth, but I, I look forward to it. It's 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 an it's an album that I haven't listened to in a while, so I'm curious to see how it holds up. Yeah, I feel like we might. I don't know. I might have to listen to Countdown to Extinction as well, just uh, just kind of as a way to bridge the gap between our last, um, you know, deep dive, which was with Rusty Peace. But um, it's kind of interesting that this came up because uh, I had just recently rewatched uh, the movie Last Action Hero, which came out in 1993, I believe, and I completely forgot that there's a scene where um, the kid in the movie goes to the movies and is watching the the intro. Oh, I can't remember if it was the trailer to the new Arnold movie or the actual beginning of the movie, but it just opens up and it kicks into the the riff from Angry Again, um, which I later found out was actually written for the movie um, mm. and would appear on um, the Hidden Treasures album that came out a year later after Euthanasia. Um, so I was kind of like right in that time period of Megadeth. And, and so um, I'll definitely be talking about that song as well because uh, uh, Family Tree and, and Angry Again were two of the first kind of... Um, not super like well-known Megadeth songs that I kind of got into. And I, I have Mike, our friend Mike to thank for that. Um, you know, but like besides the, the peace cells and the, you know, the, um, the uh, hangar 18s and the Holy Wars of the world. Like these were when I was starting to get a little bit more deeper into the, uh, the, the, the deeper cuts of Megadeth. So um, I remember you and Mike talking about 
this album in high school and, and me having no idea what the hell you guys were talking about. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, I actually want to throw this out. Being that Sabaton's Art of War album came so close, um, I'm just going to say let's talk about that album the week after. Um, we'll have two winners here. Um, you know, as a few people have pointed out, uh, it's kind of a travesty that we've done 108 episodes and never done a Sabaton or a Powerwolf album for that matter, and I'm sure that will get rectified at some point, but um, let's do uh, let's do our number two vote-getter, Sabaton's Art of War, the following week, and... Uh, I like it. Yeah, and that like way, um, you know, that way everybody feels like their vote counted for something, for the most part. <laughs> except, for for, except for mine, except for mine. By the way, what did you vote for? I'm curious, or did you vote? I, I actually voted for Euthanasia. Um, okay. Yeah, I wanted to, I, I mostly because I'm not familiar with the entire album just a uh, handful of songs here and there which is kind of pretty much how it is with most megadeth albums for me um but i just remember um you know i remember mike always talking about this and cryptic writings as being like really really good albums when they came out in the 90s so um i, I was when i saw it i was like yeah this is something i definitely would like to talk about um I mean, I just, I've listened to Art of War so many times, but I, also it's been a while. I don't, I don't, I haven't gone back and listened to that in a while. So timing's right for that. So, um, a little, uh, a little, you know, two week, uh, giving you a little, you know, heads up two weeks in advance, which we don't usually do, but I figured since the, the poll was posted, no sense in, in, you know, uh, like leading everybody on for a week and just, then just like, saying, hey, second place is getting an episode. <laughs> I like uh, it. Great choice. We'll, talk about, uh, we'll kinda, talk about both albums. It paves the way for the next two weeks. I have to think of something for the end of the month, but I'll I'll, I'll come up with something, and then we'll uh, go back to our request in September. I, I, I think we have a request picked out, so uh, ah, we're, we're, we're starting to pave the way. That's crazy to me. We're talking about September. Already. Wasn't no. it February last week? It, it, feel, it feels like it, but here we are. So next week, some Megadeth, followed by some Sabaton. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, give us a, a positive review, and uh, it helps others find it, uh, find the show. So thanks again to everyone who's out there. We look forward to engaging with you, and we will talk to everyone soon. Take it easy, bud. Yep. Take care, buddy.